if you've got a thin biotype, which is a couple of millimeters thick, you can do all the platform switching you want. You can do all the fancy stuff that you want. That bone is not going to be stable. Welcome to the Dental Implant Podcast with your host, Pav Kara, your source of knowledge for all things relating to dental implants. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something valuable. I hope. Hi, everybody. It's your host, Pav Kara, again. Welcome back to the Dental Implant Podcast. Uh, you may see I'm in a different location, the lighting's different, my camera's not quite as great. Um, and that's because I'm, I'm, I'm actually recording from work. I don't have my really nice webcam with me today. So uh, I'm just using the in-built camera on my, um, uh, uh, on my laptop. But I know that you guys are not here to, to look at this. No, well, let's face it, pretty good looking face, right? <laughs> you, know, you guys are here, you guys are here for information. So I thought um, I didn't get a chance to record one this weekend. I thought I would record one now and get it uploaded as soon as I can for you. So um, uh, just before we start, just to let you know, uh, next Monday I am recording with Kevin Rose and we are going to be going over patient communication. A real bugbear that I have is when I hear dentists talking to their patients and they're, they're saying oh, drilling into bone screw and using all these technical terms and really putting patients off so if you want to learn how to speak to patients in a patient friendly manner kevin is absolutely superb with this type of stuff so i can't wait to start recording with him um again today is going to be a slightly shorter podcast although i'm fully aware that every time that i say that i still rack up best part of 20 30 minutes uh let's crack on what are we talking about today let's cover zero bone bone loss uh, concepts um for those of you who don't know about this I would highly recommend Thomas Linkovicius' uh, textbook and reading his papers, critically reading his papers, critically reading his, his textbook. Um, and it was in a uh, – I did actually recommend his textbook in a podcast previously when I, uh, when I was talking about how to um, – uh, you know, where, where basically to start. And I did loads of uh, textbook recommendations. Now, I want to say that this is my interpretation of Professor Thomas's. Um, data i've added a few bits i don't agree with 100 percent, but i it's kind of like it's, it's 90 percent agreeable with, with 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 the stuff that 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 he discusses basically so it's not 100 percent. if you want to know 100 percent is you need to read his textbooks and i may even reach out to him and see if, if he wants to do a podcast so we can go into this in more, in more detail because today i'm going to be giving you an overview okay so zero bone loss uh, concept is exactly as it sounds the aim is to try to have zero bone loss around the neck of the implants full stop that's it you don't want to see any bone loss uh what i like about uh prof linkovicius is at work is he ha he actually has some very good data uh and he's got loads of case studies where he's he's getting very very stable uh a uh, crystal bone he, he's a great surgeon it's it's, ju it's just lovely to see basically so let's look at the surgical components to start with so the surgical components are you need two to four millimeters of bone around your implant for it to be stable long term i know it's not always possible i know that sometimes you need to graft i know sometimes the patient doesn't want to graft i know sometimes you can uh, use uh, osteodensification to expand you can use hand instruments to to manipulate the bone but what you're gunning for is that two to four millimeters of bone around the implant which is a lot 
And it was actually Murley and his team who actually showed that if you want stable bone, particularly in the aesthetic zone around an implant, that two to four millimeters is actually really quite important. Okay. Next one, soft tissue thickness. You need good soft tissue thickness, three and a half to four millimeters of keratinized gingiva thickness, height, vertical height around the implants. If you've got a thin biotype, which is a couple of millimeters thick, you can do all the platform switching you want. You can do all the fancy stuff that you want. That bone is not going to be stable. So the second component is you need enough vertical soft tissue height. Now, there's a number of ways of doing that. You can graft using autogenous. You can graft using uh, mucoderm, which which I quite like because it's such a simple way of doing things. Um, you can use uh, tenting techniques, um, and uh, uh, there's lot there's lots of different different ways of doing it. Now, conversely, you don't want it to be too thick either. So if your soft tissue starts to become five millimeters thick, you run the risk of right at the base uh, where, where, where the neck of that implant is, that the uh, uh, the bacteria, the oral flora will actually change, become more anaerobic and uh, less, less implant friendly basically. Okay. Point number three, the implant design itself. Um, Thomas is very much a fan of uh, Morse taper connections, but as Bill and I discussed in the previous podcast, it's down to how you do it. You need to understand your connections. And uh, Thomas has used different types of connections and shown very stable results. Okay, The deep, steep internal connection, as we discussed last time, that gives that cold weld, uh, it, it gives very stable results, okay? Now, what I didn't go into too much detail last time because I was very conscious that we were starting to run out of time is how to use external hex, okay? You can get stable bone and you can get a stable joint with an external hex. It comes down to how you do it. I'm going to cover that in a, in, a, in, in a separate podcast probably because it's quite a few tips and tricks I'll give you. Now, the reason why I use external hex is because I, use this, because I do so much full arch work. I, we use southern implants, and it's that coaxis, that internal connect, angle correction, which saves me so much grief and doesn't chew into my prosthetic space. And with their with the DC connection, there they do have other connections as well. The maximum you can go with an angle correction is twelve degrees. Quite often, when I'm doing full arch, is I need a twenty four or thirty six degree angle correction, which is only available in the external hex, and that purely comes down to the the the, the mechanics behind doing that that internal angle correction within the head of the implant. So it's uh, just 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 be aware that anybody turning around and says to you external hex is not a stable joint is they're looking at old data. It can be a very, very stable joint. The other thing that I'm very much a fan of as well, as you know, is a machined neck on the implant. Now, a machined neck, if it's conditioned before it goes into place. If not conditioned, different ball game. For those of you who want to know more, super osseo integration, listen to the podcast, okay? Um, 
a lot of people listen to other podcasts about how to progress your implant career and you haven't listened uh, or not as many people have listened to the ones on occlusion and super osseointegration. Um, a little bit of a hint, if you want to progress your career, you may want to learn a little bit more about the occlusion stuff and super osseointegration. Just a little tip. So, yeah. The other thing that, that you can do is, depending on the connection type, you can countersink and sink the implant lower to get a, a channel of soft tissue which comes up. And uh, that's that's what Ankylos and Bicon are actually really, really good at, uh, and anything with, it, with, with a genuine Morse taper. Now, be aware, a lot of implant companies will tell you they've got a Morse taper, but when you say to them, well, what, 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 what's the actual angle within the connection? Oh, it's 12 degrees. That, that's not Morse taper then. That's, that, that's just an internal hex. So you've got to be really careful and understand your data and understand what, what, what implant system it is that you're using, Okay. So the surgical points that we've covered, bone volume two to four millimeters, soft tissue vertical thickness, um, and needs to be uh, three to four millimeters, don't go too thick. Um, uh, implant design, we talked about Morse taper if you want to bury it deep. Uh, we talked about machined neck if you uh, uh, condition it before it goes into place. Okay, right. So prosthetics, screw retained versus cement retained. Okay, this one's really simple. Go screw retained wherever possible. Okay. The emergence profile needs to be natural, okay? Now, look at the VPI cervical system. I am going to hopefully be doing a, uh, a podcast with Minas, who's been using this quite a, quite a lot. You basically make customized healing abutments, and it is beautiful. Oh, my word. It's, it's, the results that you get is just incredible, Okay. What you don't want is you don't want a thin implant and then a sudden, like, what were they called, tomato on a stick, lollipop on a stick, whatever it is. That sudden profile is, is not good because it alters the, 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 the bacteria towards the neck of the implant to anaerobic type. Um, so, so your emergence profile will actually alter the, 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 the flora around the, the implant. That's why the emergence profile is, 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 really, is really critical, okay? You need to understand whatever you're placing subgingivally, I want highly polished zirconia. I don't want it stained. I don't want it glazed. So below the gum line, um, I want super, super, super high polished uh, zirconia. Okay. The reason for that is you will actually get, you will actually get muco integration. The uh, soft tissue will actually integrate to the zirconia itself. And what you don't want is you don't want the body of it, most of it to be titanium and then like right towards the neck for it to be transitioned into zirconia. So this is a different type. So you either use a TI base or a custom base, but have it the, the titanium really quite narrow. So as much zirconia is in contact with the soft tissue as physically possible. Okay. Super gingival restorative materials, yeah, you know, by all means, you can uh, stain them, glaze them, do whatever you want to do. Just don't have that stain, that glaze going below the, the soft tissue line. So if you're working in the posterior, um, if you have to go cement retained, you can go custom uh, hybrid zirconia abutment and actually keep the margins. One millimeter, super gingival. And then when you're cementing a crown, you've got a super gingival margin. Guess what? All of a sudden, you don't have cement excess. Now, the whole thing of using floss to clean cement, using uh, dummy abutment first and then cleaning off the excess, then putting it in place, or using rubber dam around the neck, 
doesn't work. You will always, always, always have cement remnants. So if you have to go cement retain, you have to make sure that your uh, that your margins are no more than 0.2 millimeters subgingival, ideally uh, equigingival. So if you're working in the anterior, if I'm doing some work in the anterior and I have to go cement retain, I tell my lab that margin needs to be 0.1 millimeters subgingival at the very most at the very most okay so zero bone loss concepts protocols for the lab okay so uh the you want a really super high polished um uh finish to the zirconia without that super high polish or if you glaze it the the, the soft tissue won't attach to it it just won't okay now there's a few bits here with regards to cleaning the prosthesis before we go into place I've got a colleague who's done a lot of research into this and there are certain protocols and I, I think that's going to be a separate podcast. So I won't go into that too much. Okay. Um, one of the uh, cements for if your lab's putting everything together is GSEM Link Ace. And uh, it's, it's just been shown to have super high bond strengths. So again, you, you know, when the lab's looting everything together, you're going to have, you're going to have fewer problems. Okay. Now, remember all the stuff that we, I talked about with Riaz with regards to occlusion. That is really important. I've implemented all of that uh, already uh, with regards to the 20 microns, 40 microns, etc., etc. Um, it's really important. Please, please, please do not, do not uh, use replica components. Use original components. Get brand new prosthetic screws. Uh, get the lab to use brand new lab components every single time because when you're screwing and unscrewing things, the preload in the, in, in the screw changes. So if your lab's been using a screw, you get that back, you use that same screw, you, you don't have the same preload. You, 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 are, you are on a losing battle right from day one, okay? So the reason why I've not gone into the, uh, into the lab protocol too much is because I want to do a separate podcast onto that, okay? Now, what's really important, you guys understand that, when you start to do uh, bridges on implants, attaining, attaining um, a passive fit is really, really important. And one of the things that, um, that, that Prof. Linkovicius goes into is using indexed and non-indexed pickups and abutments. This is really good because this is one of the reasons why I think his book's good. It'll help you understand and improve the passive fit of your prosthetics. So if you've not read his book or you're not starting to read it again it is something that i highly recommend not just only because it goes into the surgical aspect and it goes into the restorative aspect he'll help you understand how different connection types and how different not only connection types but different transfer types index versus non-index how to use those when it comes to implant bridge work so what you don't want to do is you don't want to use index for everything because then you're going to run into passivity issues. So it'll get, it'll get you thinking. So it is a very, very good, very, very good textbook. So what you will find is not only will you have um, really nice soft tissue healing around it, but when you use these protocols, I've noticed on my recalls that you get, you get not only health, as I said, healthy tissue, you actually get muco integration. So the pocket charting around these implants crown, around these implant crowns once they're fully healed, 
You're talking a couple of millimetres. And that, for me, that's just fantastic. You've got a restorative material which plaque won't adhere to. You've got a restorative material which the soft tissue will adhere to. I think we are now beyond osseointegration and we need to be looking at muco integration as well in order to, uh, to, to push the, the care of our, of our patients forward. So uh, historically, I have done PFM. Um, I've switched away from PFM for, for quite some time. I do have reservations with regards to uh, uh, full arch and long bridges in, in in zirconia for a number of reasons, but there you know there's there, there's a number of ways around that. But you need to you need to look at the data and understand the data and start making up your own mind. Now I can give you a little bit of information. I can't learn this stuff for you. Um, so thank you very much, guys. I know that this has been and it's been deliberately a little bit shorter um, because I just want you to go over the this the, the synopsis of the of of zero bone loss concepts. And what I will do is in, I will reach out to Prof. Linkovicius. Um, please do check out, um, uh, I don't have any affiliation by the way. I'm not getting any type of kickback or anything. It's, 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 it's just, I, I, I think the data he's got is very, very good. And it's certainly worth looking at, um, look at his website, reach out to him, read his papers. But as with everything, it doesn't matter how good I tell you the papers are, you still have to read it with critical appraisal tools and come to your own decisions because the conclusions you come to may be different to the conclusions that I come to. So, and this is, this is one of the nice things that, you know, is we all have our own interpretation of, of, of the data. We need to, we need to find what works in, in our hands, basically. So thank you very much for joining in again, guys. Um, uh, and it would mean the world to me if you could invite your friends to listen to the podcast and, uh, and, uh, and just share, you know, just share the podcast and more people listen to it. Um, that'd be hugely appreciated and I shall speak to you soon. Bye.